I'm Jill Shaw, and I'm here with Ross Wilson to bring you an update on what happened last night at Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Hey, Ross. Hey, Jill. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm reading a magazine, I read it from the back forward, and that's because some of the most interesting articles show up at the end. As you pointed out when I came in this morning, some of the most important content of the night happened in the last hour. So should we start there? That sounds like a great idea. Let's play a clip from <laughs> Chairman Michael Licato as a meeting wrapped up last night. And um, I would remind um, the, uh, the district of uh, the advice that uh, we've given as a, uh, as a body on several occasions that we want to be able to uh, boil this document down. Um, we, don't, we need a full document that talks about what our strategic plan is, but we want to be able to have something that we can hand off. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I was avoiding using the term <laughs> pithy. That's, that Mr. O'Neill has, has patented that, that term. Um, but, um, but certainly something that is uh, succinct, mm -hmm. um, that can be boiled down to one document or a palm card or mm -hmm. um, you know, something that uh, we can easily convey to people to say that we're all on the same page, we're mm -hmm. rowing in the same direction, any other sort of euphemism that you want to use mm -hmm. um, that you know easily gets across uh, what this strategic plan means to each one of us, mm -hmm. uh, no matter if you sit on the committee, if you're a student, if you're a teacher, if you're a school leader, if you're a community member, if you're a parent, uh, we all know what the Boston Public Schools is all about. This is a, this is a great goal that Chairman Lacanto points out. He, he says, let's all make sure that the strategic plan that's being set forth by the district, by the superintendent, um, allows everybody in the district to know which direction the school district the, the school district is going in, and how they all work together to achieve um, that vision. Um, so I, I I think that Chairman Lacanto's uh, what he's saying here is, let's make sure the strategic plan um, is clear, it's concise, um, and at the end of this process, we all know where we're going. And I yeah, we all know where we're going and, and what we're going to do. Right, like we're gonna, we're going to, we're here right now, and we're going to get to this point that there's that there's true goals and finish lines that are that everyone agrees to. Exactly. So what we have uh, presented last night. So the school committee last night was two hours long, um, and there was only one presentation. And essentially, this presentation was an update from the superintendent on her strategic plan. Um, this is the second draft of the, of the strategic plan that was presented by Dr. Granson, mm -hmm. um, and it included a series of. Uh, I guess it's some feedback from from the community and from key stakeholders. Um, and so Dr. Granson presented uh, an edited version of the strategic plan that we've seen before. Right. So it's an edited version. But um, let's play uh, Jerry Robinson's comments because it's it's a bit it's still a very big version, um, even though it's even though it's um, edited. So can we play the clip from Jerry Robinson? Thank you. Um, again, thank you for all the hard work that's gone on all this year. Um, I know I'm overwhelmed and I think about there are 39 priorities mm -hmm. um, and how that's all going to play out in the implementation. Mm -hmm. so, so that's one issue. Will, will there be a captain of each of these priorities that mm -hmm. so somebody is really making sure mm -hmm. these things are really happening yep. across the district? Um, that's a good point. It's a, it's a great point. So, the, so there's 19, pa the, the document that we was presented last night was 19 pages. Yeah. Um, there are 39 priorities and, um, and, and, and many of these things are really important yeah. to, to accomplish and they're quite lofty goals to accomplish. Um, 
the question is, how do we prioritize these? How do we accomplish these as a, as a district? How do we all row in the same boat towards these? Yeah. Um, it's very hard to row towards 39 things uh, and, and at the same exact time. Yeah, you, you sort of need a pathway, and, you, and I think you need to understand um, which things that you execute against uh, impact other things, right? And then how does it help lift the entire system as a whole? Um, because there's 125 different schools, and there's 54,000 kids. And so... Everything can't be done separately. And, and so it'll be interesting to see this um, strategic plan, plan come together where tactics are kind of separated out from the real set of strategies that the district is going to pursue initially to, to really grow the district in the direction that everyone wants it to grow in. Um, there's also a question of measurement. And in public comment, uh, longtime advocate John Mudd asks the following. I, you know, this is to eliminate opportunity and achievement gaps. And if I look at page nine, where you have the measures, I don't actually see uh, a that we're going to disaggregate by group, by blacks, Latinos, ELLs, and uh, 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 special education students, which is what we've historically done, uh, and some places we've added ELSWD students. But I think, A, that's important, and B, our ability to measure gaps in some case, both whether it's a gap in achieving at a high level mm -hmm. and a gap between groups. And I just don't see that there, so it, it worries me. Uh, it worries me also about how we measure schools, because it seems to me that one of the things we want to identify is those schools that do better or worse in this regard and dealing with achievement gaps, and what are the best ones we can learn from, and what are the ones that are struggling on this? So, so there's a real concern that Mr. Mudd raises here, which is you know, the, first, the first commitment is to eliminate opportunity and achievement gaps, um, and to have equitable and excellent student outcomes across our district. Um, however, the anchor goal um, is related, it, it basically says, BPS graduates will be ready for success in college, career, and life. And it's followed by a series of measures in early literacy, graduation, ELA achievement, math achievement, and so on. These measures that the district has set forth in this draft plan um, basically cites the percentage of students um, who are meeting or exceeding grade level expectations, for example, right. or the average math scale score or the average ELA scale score. What Mr. Mudd points out here is that none of these measures are actually um, measuring achievement gaps between subgroups. And and right. um, can you just explain that? What do you, what do you mean by by that? So the way you can see achievement gaps is is um, essentially you can look at um, a low income subgroup of students mm -hmm. versus a um, middle or high income subgroup of students. And if there's a gap there, mm -hmm. th that's a concern. You, you know, there's, there's nothing that says students shouldn't be achieving all at the same high level. Right. Um, what we, so what we see is often we see achievement gaps, um, and unfortunately by race, by income, um, by English language learning status, right. by students with disabilities, uh, or, and their general education peers. Um, these are all really important things to measure across a district. They're important things to measure at every school, at every grade level, mm -hmm. in classrooms to see who is benefiting from education, who is not, and how do we change our instruction, our curriculum, 
um, and our supports for students so that all students are achieving at the same level because there should not be achievement gaps. So is what he's asking for is to put a stake in the ground to decide which, which ways we're going to define um, assessing where gaps could be, like you said, either by race or by um, income level or et cetera, by geography, I guess you could do it. Um, but we have to put a stake in the ground and say, here's how we're going, here's, here's what we're going to measure. And then I, we would also, it would be important to note, here's where we are today. And right. then here's where we're going, here, here's where, you know, based on a set of tactics, here's where we expect to get to at the end of year one, at the end of year two, at the end of year three, when, when, and, and what success is. Right, like the, 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 is that what he's trying to accomplish? Yes, yeah, so this draft is missing the baseline data of where we currently are today. Yep. It's hard to understand where our greatest challenges are um, and, and where we need to go if we don't have the current baseline data for these measures. Right. And these measures all need to be disaggregated um, to understand subgroup data and school-based data to see who's doing well, who's not doing well, and, and how we need to improve as a district. And you would imagine anyone who's, who's watching if you're watching from the sidelines, if you're a teacher who's involved in the school system, if you're an administrator, it's, it's really important to know, okay, here's where we are today. We all buy into that. Here's where we want to get to. And here's your part in moving the needle. Here's what you should be watching. That's right. I, I, I would argue that what we measure and what we set forth to measure mm. um, is what we'll do. Right. That, yeah, of course. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so then moving along um, in the meeting, Jerry Robinson asks about the process of gathering feedback and input to the strategic plan. And she has this exchange with Dr. Charles Granson, who is leading the work um, on strategy for the district. Um, I saw that in the next round, the final round, that there will be some additional feedback from school leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, my question is, wh where, what has been the... Um, participation of classroom teachers and other school personnel, have they taken time to actually review this and provide comment? And can you, I don't know whether what data was collected around whose comments are the ones that are counted in the ones that came online, or they people that were in the list of organizations, or they individuals, or you know, do we have any idea of who the comments yeah. were coming in from? Yeah, so that I think was a major lessons learned in terms of collecting information, um, especially when we look at um, who attends many of the meetings. And so one of the things the team and I have talked about is how we um, we ask for role. So we haven't traditionally done that, mm -hmm. um, and we didn't do that in the on online public comment, partially to make it in a, you know a, a process where people felt comfortable to really give um, their feedback. But it could have just overall said teacher. So what do you think? Well. Uh, First, first of all, um, I had the opportunity to see Dr. Granson out in some of these community meetings, and uh, he, he and his team um, have worked tirelessly to go out to many different neighborhoods across the city to get input, input from um, constituents around this plan. Mm. Um, and as Dr. Granson noted, it was, a, it was a missed opportunity not to keep track of um, who's been weighing in, who's been making comments. Right. Um, and that would be, you know, as he stated, it would be a simple thing to note as a, is it, was a teacher, how many teachers have commented, how many central office employees have commented, right. how many parents have commented. Um, and all of these things are important, not only to involve the parties, so they feel, they feel heard, um, but also, so there's, you know, shared ownership and they can feel like they can have action and impact on this plan going forward. Mm. Um, so, you know, even school committee members uh, feel like there are some things still missing, even though there's 39 different aspects of this uh, or different actual items of this plan. Um, there's still items that, that are that are missing. 
Um, and so can we, can we play Hardin Coleman's comments uh, on one of the things that he thinks should be, should be included? So yes, teacher diversity is a high priority for us, but even more so because it's going to take um, um, more than some of our tenures in this building um, to get where we want to go. Everyone has to get to a level, and I would want, I would want to have that, and I recommend that in accelerated learning. So you have the teacher diversity in one category, but teachers as a whole being prepared to work with all of our children um, and how we're going to put a measure to that. I, I, would, I would love to see that added. It's critical. So um, Dr. Coleman is, is basically saying here uh, we should have ensure that we have um, uh, effective teachers and effective school leaders in all of our buildings and that we should have you know measures to ensure that that is happening and goals to ensure that that is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's advocating, you know, the thing that I, let me just be clear, the thing that I think is how great schools happen yeah. uh, is you have great teachers and great school leaders. Yeah. I mean, they are the, they are the nucleus of that's, this whole that thing. That sort of is a, that's a true, that's a fact. Right. So, so, so Dean Coleman, you know, he's saying, Hey, you know, th- this is good. We were, you know, he's been an advocate for teacher diversity for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably no stronger advocate for teacher diversity than, than Dean Coleman. Um, but he's also saying, let's add to this and say like effectiveness and let's be clear about our goals and measures of effectiveness. So as someone who worked on uh, assessments of teachers back in the day, do you think that, um, how teachers are assessed or goals for teachers will shift um, significantly based on the strategic plan from where they are today? Well, look, I think there is a, as, as some of the school committee members noted last night, there is a clear, beginning to be a clear focus on professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, accountability without support um, to me is meaningless. And yeah. and so um, I'm hopeful that, you know, with with the plans for professional development and saying we need to really pay attention to Teachers, I think this is the plan is lacking a little bit in leadership, um, professional development. Meaning um, principal leadership? School leader, central office. Central uh, office I mean, yeah. this in order to implement a plan like this, you have to have some really skilled, uh, high-quality leaders to mm. take ownership of this and um, to, to, to implement it. And so you have to have great leaders, and they mm-hmm. have to be supported and, and held accountable. Great teachers, supported and held accountable. Um, so I think that's a really important point from, from Dean Coleman. Um, and I'm sure there's other pizza pieces of this that are that are missing um, that hopefully we'll we'll see more of in in March when the plan uh, is beginning to be finalized. Right. So and the the goal right now is, um, or I guess the the date is set, March twenty fifth is when school committee votes to approve the plan. Um, I think what we'll do is put on our blog the link to um, so that anyone who's listening can provide you can go through to that link and provide comments on the plan if you wish. Switching gears, there was follow-up last night on the request for proposal that went out last week for a new exam, a new exam school admissions test. Dr. Lorna Rivera had this question for the superintendent. Another question is, I'm also pleased to hear that we're examining the admissions uh, policies to the exam schools. Um, and I'm wondering if there's been, if there would be an opportunity um, to have some kind of a hearing or presentation that would re-examine the, all the standards of admissions, not just the test that's being used. Um, you know, the, the fact that Boston Public School students don't have a priority in admission is, is problematic. Um, and there's a lot of other issues around uh, racial equity to those schools, and it's been a 
a passion of mine, and personally, my son is a sixth grader waiting to hear uh, on a test that he was not instructed algebra or any, he didn't learn the material when he was in, in fifth grade. Um, so it is an issue very dear to my heart, and um, I would love to see if, we, if the district is thinking about re-examining the admission standards overall and not just a different test um, to, to you know, have the students be admitted. Superintendent Brenda Casilius then offered this response. Yeah, there's been, um, Dr. Rivera, there's been a number of studies that have been done and it's been um, discussed uh, many years and there are recommendations that have been brought forward to me for things like priority for BPS students or um, there's been, maybe you take 10% of the top of elementary schools or maybe you use a writing test or, or maybe you use um, teacher recommendation. So there's been a number of things that have been looked at. At this point, the decision that I've made is to move forward with this best next step and see if this creating a fairer test that is aligned to the standards it does what we needed to do in terms of getting a more diverse student body. If it doesn't do that, then I'm, I'm very much open to relooking at what we can do next. But at this point, um, I think getting a fair alliance assessment that is bias reviewed um, is, is a good first step. And the superintendent also said last night that the decision about the new vendor will be made in June. Now, catching up on some old business, Hardin Coleman asked about the teacher evaluation and hiring data. Ross, remind us why Hardin and Michael O'Neill have asked for this in the past two meetings and again asked for it last night. Right, so a couple of meetings ago, there was a, a, a report from Human Capital. Um, and that report uh, was uh, noted some really important information about teacher diversity and goals around teacher diversity, educator diversity in the Boston Public Schools. Um, but it was remiss. It didn't have any any of the information that's typically presented, which is um, reports on hiring and reports on, so basically a number of positions will be available, a number of vacancies, how, how did hiring happen last year, what's the update, um, as well as evaluation data. There was a critical um, benchmark point in January for teacher evaluation report out and leadership evaluation report out mm. that wasn't done at the school committee. Mm. Um so, but historically has, like the school committee is used to seeing that data in January. Correct. So both uh, Mr. O'Neill and Dean Coleman uh, asked for that information. I believe they asked for it at last meeting as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, it was noted that last night that information would be emailed um, out to committee members. I'm hopeful that that, that information is also presented publicly. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it's fine to go to the committee members, um, but I think it's also important that the public understands and, and un understands what's happening in the district around uh, around this information. So how evaluation is playing out, and, and additionally, isn't it important to the district because we're headed into hiring season, right? Like you don't want to, if I understand it correctly from you, you don't want to be too late in the game on hiring for any open uh, spaces that are that are uh, available for next year. In, in the past, the district has faced uh, uh, massive challenges around hiring, where in, in some cases they're hiring the majority of teachers in August and September of every year. Mm. Uh, we don't want to fall back into that pattern. We also used to, we're in a pattern of not having evaluations done at all for mm. any employees. Um, and we do not want to fall back into that pattern either. So the public uh, deserves to know what's happening in the district 
around these two key issues. Right, and so and so and that's why Dean Harden and Michael O'Neill keep pushing on it is they, they really want the rigor to exist so that you know it, if if the goal is to have that in January they should they should have the data at this point. Well, the role of the school committee is to hold it is to hold the district accountable for these these key uh, metrics, and this is certainly a key one. Right, and looming over the city is a report that Desi commissioned and will release to the public when it is completed. Ross, what's DASI? Uh, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Okay, so there was some discussion about the report in terms of how it might impact the strategic plan. What, what do you think here? Right, so this came up a few times. That, so the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education is essentially the department that oversees um, K-12 education ar- across our state. Mm-hmm. Um, they commissioned a report, uh, an audit, if you will, for um, the Boston Public Schools. That audit was completed this year. I, I imagine, I think it was a few weeks ago. Is this typical? This is in due process that they, the state evaluates or looks deeply at cities in the state? At certain districts, yeah. c- certainly. And, and um so this, this report will be coming out soon, and it was noted, I think, from, from various people, including Dr. Granson and uh, Superintendent Casilius, that, um, that they're waiting, essentially, for this report to be released, and they would incorporate any of the you know, findings or um, input into mm-hmm. the strategic plan. So they, there may be things that DESE would uncover that we don't know? Sure. I mean, they did a pretty in-depth review. I mean, okay. I think they had a, a pretty large team. They... they um, went out and visited many, many schools and many classrooms mm-hmm. and collected a lot of information. Um, so so I think I think the district is going to uh, certainly will weigh that. Um, and it was noted again last night that the strategic plan is, is a draft and, and will um, incorporate potentially some of that input from Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Okay. And lastly, in old business, Jerry Robinson reflects back on the report about graduation data that came up in a few um, meetings ago, and she asks for a follow-up. Now, the audio on this is not great, but here it is. Um, in the last week, we got the, um, the data on graduation rates for this past year, and so I'm hoping that at some point we will get a full um, report about what happened and why. But more importantly, my question is, we are now less than, we're two-thirds of the way through this school year. What do we know about the graduating class? What do we know about what's happening with our students who should be graduating this year? And are, you know, are people on track to graduate? And if not, do we know why and what, what can be done about that? Because it, it feels like you know we, we get the data, but we don't really get numbers. and so. Percentages are often hard for me to figure out whether we're talking about two people or 22 people in that percentage. So it would be great to be able to get some really hard numbers and to be able to look at what are the root causes and are they school-based curriculum or are they really about life and other kinds of things that that the district can't can't take full responsibility for but are impacting our students' ability to graduate or not. Yeah, we. I think we could probably do that as part of the Mass Corps presentation. Okay. I think that that maybe if we, if you don't mind, we could tie those two things. Is present some data to answer some of the questions around graduation rate. Our dropout rate actually went down, and our five-year graduation rate went up. So uh, that wasn't really equally reported. Exactly. So I right. think that you know, taking that extra year for some of our kids who are retained um, maybe is necessary. And of course, I, I think also in March I'm going to be bringing forward policy around retention. And so uh, that is impacting our graduation rates because a lot of our high school students are being retained an extra year. Um, and so we want to make sure that 
you know, what we're doing around our high school redesign, around our curriculum, uh, raising level of rigor and intervention for kids with these additional positions is going to impact. So we're planning for some of that work to happen already with our high schools, with both policy and with actions. Mm -hmm. But we'll bring that as part of our overall conversation that we have when we start talking about the Mass Corps when I bring that recommendation at the end of March. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. So March is going to be a big month. Um, I think uh, what we heard is uh, that um, there'll be a recommendation made on Mass Corps, that, which is really around this uh, the curriculum standards for uh, um, graduation standards for our high schools. Right. Um, hopefully, we'll hear some some report out of this graduation data that Miss um, Robinson has asked for, which I think is a, what a great question to ask at this time of year to say, hey, how's the current? How are our current students doing? What mm -hmm. should we expect to see? So we're not surprised next year. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, and also in March, we'll have an updated strategic plan and uh, potentially a vote on the strategic, strategic plan on March 25th. We should also um, see the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education report um, potentially maybe released in March as well. A lot, of, a lot of things going on. Two other things that happened last night at school committee that we think are important to note is that school committee celebrated the achievement of teachers who have attained national board certification. Ross, what is national board certification? Why is that exciting? Uh, so this is great. I mean, this, this is a national board certification is pretty much the highest level you can achieve as a teacher. Uh, teachers put in, you know, hundreds of hours in preparing mm -hmm. um, portfolios and other other measures that they submit to a board. And um, it's a highly selective process. And, and for our teachers, to, so many of our teachers to be recognized as nationally board certified is just a, it's a really high honor for our district. And um, as Superintendent Casillas noted last night, great teachers are the essence of our schools and, and they make up uh, they make up our great school system. And so very proud to have so many teachers achieve national board certification. Amazing. And another, actually one other March event, there will be a report from a transportation expert is how uh, Superintendent Casilius uh, described this person, but that will also be in March. So, so we're back on transportation. Um, and I think with the goal of, of really trying to fix transportation, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. So uh, we currently spend, there was a report uh, this week about our, our transportation spend. We're, we are once again this year um, set to spend over the $125 million that we have um, allocated for transportation this year. So we're over budget again. So $125 um, million, 54,000 kids, moving them to and from school. Yes, and we don't move all 54,000 kids. We move uh, a significantly lesser number of, of those students. But okay. so we are, um, as noted on the news, we are the second most expensive transportation system next to Buffalo. Mm. Um, and uh, mm. so it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll have a report in March from an expert um, uh, telling us what we, sort of what the options are. I hope that, um, that they're out of the box options and we're really thinking differently about how we handle transportation. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this edition of Last Night at School Committee. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and citizens of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.